thinking, wait a minute, when I listen to podcasts, is the intro music like live or is it like? Yeah, yeah. Some some free lo-fi yeah. hip hop. Yeah, I'm gonna, is, drum, yeah, I was gonna right? say someone is in the background behind you with a piano. Yeah, that's why the keyboard's here. You know, I figured in this small closet we're in. Okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Uh, this is the first Farmhouse podcast. Uh, my name is Alex Hobbs. Jordan Smart here is the illustrious co-host. <laughs> and uh, today our guest is Matthew Clark. Matthew, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, um, my name is Matthew. I am a second year PhD um, candidate in the Department of Aeronautics and Nationalities at Stanford, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, just a little background on what this podcast is before we jump right into it. Um, it's, it's, uh, it is a Stanford hosted, uh, both all, well, in this case, all of us are from Stanford. Um, it is not, is not promoted or by any way backed by Stanford. Um, but, uh, both me and Jordan are individuals from New Jersey. And I think when, when we both came here, I think one of the things I found personally really interesting was, uh, all the, all the backgrounds of the individuals here and, and how, interesting and, and different they are than than you know my background which which i've always felt was just oh i'm you know just a guy from new jersey so i think uh personally i, I wanted to get to know people and also spread their they're really just just fascinating stories and and talk about them on this podcast and i don't you know if you want to add anything to that Jordan. yeah no i, I think that's especially from the outside like me you and and uh matt can go into his own background but um, we both went to state schools and, and the image uh, there and I think across the country in a lot of places of elite private schools is one of exclusivity and privilege and of needing a lifetime of preparation to come there and, and to gain entrance. And instead what we found is a very diverse pool of people that are interested in a, in a very broad set of both research and humanitarian uh, concerns and I think that it helps both to socialize the I've, I've lost it. <laughs> sorry sorry I'm gonna go back and that no <laughs> no redo sorry man. sorry can, okay, uh, sorry can we can we start yeah yeah yeah, yeah. do you want to just redo that part I can edit um, I can edit your answer back in it's fine or or I could just keep this all in and we could run with it I actually like that idea better I think we're gonna do that I like this um, I think it makes it more authentic yeah, yeah. sorry uh, yeah. To, to no, make no, it clear, this is, this is the first time we're doing this. We're just three guys sitting in a closet. <laughs> you really <laughs> three dudes in a closet. <laughs> I, I, sh- I should be clear, the the, the Roble, our Robley arch team yes. here at Stanford has been yes. gracious enough to uh, allow us access to yes. their, the music room and the arch yes. team. Yes, and I'm, I'm extremely pleased that the individuals dancing out next to us are not saying da anymore because that was I was a little worried about that. But anyway, without further ado... Why don't we just jump into this? Um, mm-hmm. Let's let's match let's, tell his own story. Let's, yeah, yeah. It's this is not about me and Jordan. Um, 
Matthew, uh, I, you know, I think one of the things personally that 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 I um, was really interested in with the individuals I met here is, is how international they are, and you are also international. You you're not yes, from here. Um, where are you from, and 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 what was it like growing up there? Yeah, um, so I'm from a, a small island in the Caribbean, Barbados. Um, I grew up. Spent the first 18 years of my life there. Um, I, you know, was your average kid, average nerd. <laughs> um, you know, I love sports um, and I also loved music. So I um, I did a few things representing my country in a few different sports. And also I was on um, the orchestra, um, the national orchestra. Um, I a, didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> what did you play? I, I was a violinist. I was a second second oh, wow. violinist. So, nice. <laughs> That's really so, cool. Um, back in the day, when I was a, a youth, um, <laughs> but I um, I always had a passion for aerospace, and I was one of those kids who I always used to question stuff. Mm-hmm. And back in the Caribbean, there's not a lot of engineering going on. I'm just your general civil engineering and electric engineering, but any sort of material science engineering, aerospace engineering wasn't there. So um, I also had influences within my family who were, you know, aircraft mechanics and whatever, but I always felt the need to learn deeper, you know. I didn't want to be someone who just, you know, fixed planes, but I wanted to be someone who had a say in how planes were designed. Um, and you know that led to some major life decisions. I had to choose um, playing sports for my country and going to school, and I right. chose to be a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so I came to America. Um, I went to Howard University, which is a um, it's a it's it's called an HBCU, which is a historically black college university. There are several of them sprinkled around. Um, America, but these universities historically serve a minority community um, for those who haven't had access to education. Um, HBCUs, especially Harvard, is known to give a lot of support for Caribbean students. So I, 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 I if I'm not mistaken, H, Harvard has like the largest population of Caribbean people. Oh, wow. Like half the university is African and Caribbean. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> our president is Caribbean. Like wow. half our oh. teaching population is Caribbean. Like really? it's ridiculous. That's super mm. wow, that's really cool. So um that's really my undergrad. But even there I there wasn't a lot of there was no aerospace engineering. There's only right. mechanical engineering, right. which I did. So while I was at Howard, I always made sure I was in the loop of aerospace engineering. Mm. Um, I started my own research group. Of just interested people, you know, like how you're starting this podcast, yeah. just gathering interest. And I did a few research positions, but I did tough my mind. I always wanted to do aerospace engineering. Can I ask you more about that research? Group? Yeah, what was it? Was it just a group of students and you wanted to work on different projects? Did you do was it more paper? Was it, did you yeah, those papers? What did well, how did that? That sounds really cool. Yeah, so um, it first started out me being very ambitious as a mm-hmm sophomore sure <laughs> and i was like i just ran to my um cheer who actually did aerospace um she's actually a very good friend of debbie sineski oh really <laughs> uh yeah um, debbie sineski is a professor here she uh in his an astro she does a lot of does she do i want she teaches structure i don't think she does yeah, I, believe, I believe her background is in, uh yeah, yeah micro scale uh sensors and electronics yeah gotcha. yeah 
That's really good. <laughs> yeah. So that was yeah. So basically, I um, bright eyed. Hey, I want to do aerospace um, engineering, and she was like, "But we don't have any at Harvard." So I would approach her with a, you know, a research proposal, um, and she said that she would guide me along the way while I, you know, research things that are interesting to me. So I did that for a year, and then after a while, I thought, you know, I can maybe there are other students who would like to pursue your space engineering at right. Harvard, but you know, there's no actual physical discipline. Right. So it was just a bunch of students. Um, we did have a wind tunnel nice. at Harvard, so we got that refurbished. Um, from I think Aerolabs. That's the. It's in Colorado. I don't. Hmm. I don't know which yeah. who like does big wind tunnel maintaining. Yeah, the, I think it's the, 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 like wind tunnel community is like it's very small. small and, yeah. And, yeah <laughs> if, if you don't already know, it's hard to get answers to questions. Yeah. 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 Well, so, like, yeah. So um, <laughs> I did that, and and I actually, I learned so much from just. Not only starting a research, group, but just. I learned so much about myself in that process, you know, like how to deal with people, how to, especially people who have much more experience than you. Sure. Yeah. Um, not everyone is supportive of your ideas. You're literally right. starting a small research group at an institution. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, you know, a lot of people have a lot of egos in it. But in addition to that, a lot of people have a lot of um, knowledge, experience, and especially those who are um, younger than you, enthusiasm how do you oh, yeah. contain that enthusiasm to get something worthwhile yeah you know i'm sure a lot of professors at stanford and any other research mm-hmm. institution have to do with that like they have to tailor people's re- research yeah. or enthusiasm to actually get a reasonable or substantial result yeah it's so, the wide-eyed freshman problem they, they're, exactly they're the it most really excited was, and the least prepared exactly <laughs> I, I was one of those people trying to do research in the field that I had no knowledge about, mm-hmm. you know? So I learned a lot from that experience. And I think that's not, that is something I wrote about in my application at Stanford. I wrote about me not being perfect. Right. I wrote about all of my faults and all of the lessons I've learned throughout my four years of undergrad and beyond, just being persevering against all odds. I never flew a plane when I was five, six years old. My dad was never a pilot. I flew my first drone today. Um, you know, go? it was good. I was very impressed about how easy the spark drone is. A little nervous. It was a little nervous because <laughs> if I destroyed the drone, you know, it's all. Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, but yeah, so I didn't have the traditional aerospace background, right? Uh, and there are some people here at Stanford Aerospace who are just like me. You know, yeah. I know I'm. I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yeah. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity that I, I got. I came to Stanford and. Yeah, I've had my fair share of battles, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here surviving. That's 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 a really like I learned so much value just from like this like small blurb, and this is kind of why it's it's cool talking. I mean, mm-hmm. do you still play violin? No, unfortunately yeah. not. It's hard to. <laughs> There's <laughs> someone in our lab who plays violin. Who? Brian. He plays oh, electric yeah, violin. He, yeah. he plays everything. He's yeah, so... I should, I should <laughs> clarify that, that Matt and I are currently in the same research lab, and and I think it. <laughs> this, will, this will need further clarification, but I think I've spent more time in his presence than in my wife's presence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to see Jordan for the next seven years. 
but yeah, but that's it. I had I had no idea you played violin and or like national level yeah. sports. Um, this is a this is a bit of a revelation. That's revelation. That's, that's the whole point here. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, when you're going, was it? What did you, did you play? Soccer? Was it? I played cricket. Cricket. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh, okay. Have I you play... played any intramural cricket here? Or? No, I haven't. But so there isn't any intramural cricket here at Grand Island, but there is cricket gotcha. in. Um, near San Jose, Fremont, so there's cricket oh, going really? on. Nice. Some Caribbean people and some Indian people play. Nice. Um, so I might find myself <laughs> over there on Saturday. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize cricket was that big. Like, like, do you guys make it far in the World Series? or? Yeah, so Western Indian, so the way whole cricket is set up is that cricket is major. There are a lot of nations who play cricket. But it, the centered focus is around, I would say, 10 or so international teams. Okay, gotcha. And West Indies is one of them. So the West sure. Indies traditionally is in the middle of um, just a collection of Caribbean islands. Okay, um, gotcha. Surprisingly enough, history lesson, there was actually a West Indies football team. But that really? Was, yeah, it was a long story. <laughs> so what happened is that because we were so small, a lot of, I guess, sporting federations, you know, it says only fair that we can, like, form our own collective team as a Caribbean. And that's not a bad I mean yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. makes sense yeah so we call it the West Indies um, nice because when Columbus came he was he thought he was going west yeah slightly, slightly <laughs> colonialist name yeah 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 so um, <laughs> not, not the Caribbean collective not the Caribbean collective <laughs> <laughs> so that's all um, yeah we have a pretty good team internationally and you know um, it's not been doing good recently but historically we've been yeah, it always fluctuates. I mean, it always fluctuates, gonna, like everything. Yeah. Like most, well, not everything. U.S. is not usually great at soccer, but you know, other than yeah. that. Yeah. Or <laughs> historically. Or cricket, yeah. <laughs> you come to think of it. Curling, though. Um, yeah, yeah. Just recently. Get five, get five fat guys from Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need, man. That's all you need. <laughs> um, I th- uh, do, do you want to ask any questions? Uh, we, I have kind of a list here, and, and, and you know, Jordan, I, I don't want to eat up all the questions. Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the... Kind of central question. I mean, you you've you've talked about a lot about the the series of events, but I think all all of us would testify that we've gone through a lot yeah. of growth, yeah, um, <laughs> in, in the, the process of getting here. And, and mm-hmm. I think I I at least I'll cop to having occasionally had to you know admit some ugly truths about myself and change mm-hmm. you know how I was viewing things and and uh, how I viewed myself. So my question that I'd, I'd like you to ask if if you feel comfortable is is what were the the real moments of growth of, of, you know, what you had to sort of check yourself and then, you know, where, where you were, where you thought you were going. I mean, you said you had to make a pretty big decision about yeah. choosing between sports and, and that academics. was a big one. Yeah. Um, that was a huge one <laughs> because my best friend right now plays for West Indies. Oh, oh wow. Oh, right. Wow. Oh, the plug, that was not good. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll edit um, that out. Don't worry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, right. Um, so that was a huge decision. So, something I regretted for the first year of college. Um, what were those? The, was the option college or or, or professional? professional okay, gotcha. Um, I've had. I guess a lot of times I had to check myself. It was more so, um, I guess when it came to a lot of story, a lot of instances when it came to Stanford and then being at Stanford, 
Um, case in point, I grew up in the Caribbean, which is mm-hmm. um, mostly black, right? Yeah. It's not 100% black. When I, and then I went to an HBCU in D.C. D.C. is historically known as Chocolate City. Yeah. HBCU is predominantly black. When I came to California and Stanford, it was the complete opposite. <laughs> so I've never had an introduction to America in terms of being a minority mm-hmm. until I was, what, 22, <laughs> 22 years old, right? Held off, yeah. So I've never had the historical context. I've never had historical cues. I've never, there's something that Jordan explains to me, and I'm like, I didn't know that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, being a student, as well as being a minority, is something I had to check myself with. You know, that's, that's you know, it's one, it's one thing to be a student, but then sometimes, especially in class, when you're worrying about just being the only one, do we have to represent everyone of my race? You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not even African-American to start with. You know, what do I, where do I fit in? You know, um, it can be distracting from your work sometimes. Um, people have preconceived notions about, you know, if you should be here or not. Um, I've had, you know, to deal with those particular instances. Um, people, uh, you know, having preconceived notions of the Caribbean, and even if we have electricity, and it can go down a whole list of mm-hmm. questions people have asked me, <laughs> you know. Oh. So, it's like, um, I've had to deal with a lot of um, that sort of mental toughness. And... Um, I definitely said my, I would definitely would say my undergrad experience definitely prepared me a lot, um, but um, yeah, that's just I guess, I guess I have I have several stories, but I guess coming to America in a particular field where I am well one of few already uh, in terms of my race, but also I'm international in aerospace. That's a whole. I'm trying to climb a hill that is literally 90 degrees steep. Yeah. You, know? you, you are the only international black student in the department. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if yeah. As, as a PhD student, I, I should say. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah um, I didn't know if there are any any uh, yeah, first years or masters. I'm not sure if there are there are any for the masters, but, but yeah, of yeah. The, the PhDs who are here for the long haul, yeah, um, that is the only one. The only one. His particular are you, experience. Are you the only African American? I yeah, I'm the only okay. African American. I wasn't sure because I thought there there was I thought there was a third guy who came the same year guy as you guys, but I can't Matt. remember. Yeah, uh, Matt. He's going to the other Matt. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> he's which, going to JPL. Which one? Oh, Black Matt. No. Yeah, yeah. So he's 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 moved on to NASA JPL. He only he's JPL. He's going to JPL. I think he came from JPL. Oh man, or I think I met this guy. I'm so yeah. Man, cool dude. Jamaican too. Half Jamaican. Came with him. Yeah, Matthew Jadu saying big ups. Big ups. Shouts out to Jobs. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's that's my that was my me basically checking myself. At the same time, um, I've been very either fortunate or lucky. A series of events in my life, and to which I have decided I'm going to write a book called "On the Last Day." 
You heard, you heard about yeah, this? Yeah, I've, I've heard this. I story. have not heard this yet. Can, yeah. I, can I share? Uh, well, obviously. Okay. <laughs> no, no, yeah. Sorry, let I don't. Me, let me jump in here and tell your story. <laughs> <laughs> don't hang out with Matthew as much as so, you do. So, basically, um, when I was applying to Howard University for undergrad, um, I applied relatively on time, but, like, I got in fairly close to the last day I could actually notify that was hard I was going to hurry. And Jeez. I actually notified them on the last day because I was battling between cricket and mm-hmm. um, cricket and school, being a nerd and being cool. <laughs> you could be a cool nerd. Getting money right now or getting money in the next 30 years. Nerds are cool, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, when it came to Howard, I applied for this MIT STEM research program, and I didn't. The first time I applied, I didn't get it. I felt really sad and depressed. But I applied it next year, and I got in. But I was on a wait list, so I didn't get in immediately. And I only found out on the last day of the waiting period that I was going to MSRP. <laughs> And honestly, that experience was my life-defining experience. And that has been the best summer experience of my life. Because it, it first, it opened my eyes to what research could be at a premier institution. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of different minorities and women in engineering who were came from similar backgrounds who really didn't think that they could do it. Mm-hmm. right? And that reaffirmed my purpose of, you know what, it doesn't matter where I'm from, I can be a scientist or I can be a astronaut or I can be a neurosurgeon. It, it really does change your perspective. Yeah. When I got into Stanford, um, I got in, you know, around the, the time they notified students. Mm-hmm. But because I was an international student in aerospace, I had to wait until a lot of American students determined where they were going to go so they can settle on funding. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they had like NSF comes out like right. early April. Yeah. So yeah. I found out that I was actually that I actually had enough that I was going to be granted tuition on the last day, April 15th. And I decided that I was going to go here on the last day. It, that was my only deciding factor to come to Stanford. Um, then um, I took my driver's test. <laughs> slightly lower stakes. <laughs> slightly lower stakes. Hey, hey, I failed to drop my driver's test before too. And, and it, I failed it the first time. Yeah, it's I not great. Right? I yeah, was like, it sucks. It like, sucks a lot. In my head, I was like, you telling me I passed balls. <laughs> At Stanford Aerospace, the, the number one department in the country, and I can't pass my driver's test. <laughs> So I filled it, just to prove a point. <laughs> In Jordan's car. <laughs> um, yeah, I failed it within the first two minutes. So I was like, I drove out, and within, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm finished pretty fast. I guess I passed. And then she told me, I'm sorry, you, <laughs> you failed on the first turn. Oh, no. I was like, oh, okay. So, um if it I makes think, you I f- think you had some other words. <laughs> I, had, I, had a, I had a different choice of words. <laughs> um, uh. 
<laughs> yeah, I was not happy. I was not happy. The first one I failed, it was about, it might have been actually less time. It was not the first turn, but I basically, wherever I was taking the test, we turned out, mm. then you turn into a road, then you turn back into a place where you parallel park. Yeah. And I was like, what if I parallel parked onto the curb? Oh. And it didn't, it didn't go it great. Didn't, they oh. didn't like it. Why it's not? weird how that, yeah, I don't I mean, know. You, you thought of where you were supposed traffic. to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I failed my driver's test. And um, I had to retake it, obviously. Yeah. And the date I chose was just a, a regular date. Sure. So on the day of the exam, I realized that was the last day I could take my driver's test <laughs> because my um, permit was going to expire. So um, we got into we got into the line. Me and Jordan got into the lane. <laughs> and then he had to submit his, like, um... Yeah, my, my insurance... The insurance card that I had in the car was not up to date. So I was like... <laughs> I was like, no! Oh, no. Thank, thank God for, for mobile insurance. Apps. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah. Thank yeah. God for 2018. <laughs> we have the power of a cell phone. <laughs> so I was able to get my license on the last day. And the last story. I didn't know if you were going to crash after that. I was a little worried. Yeah. <laughs> last story. As an international student in aerospace, um, I don't have the same you know, funding opportunities as, as most students, like JAM or NSF or mm-hmm. a lot of other opportunities. Sure. So um, my funding had run out, and I was, you know, I was trying to figure out you know, what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I literally can't pay for school. I don't have mm-hmm. buttloads of money yeah. stashing around. So... I applied for certain grants and stuff, and it, it depended on um, higher powers, if you, if you may call it, um, agreeing to support me. And, um, you know, as administration works, it takes a long time to get stuff done. Yeah, no kidding. And I was into this quarter, and I didn't have funding for this quarter, so I wasn't even sure if I was going to even graduate with a master's degree or not. And... Um, it was the Friday of the, the, the Friday that you had to determine your class schedule. Oh, yeah, right. oh my God. The final study The deadline. final God. study deadline. The last. I got that fateful email <laughs> that I was going to be supported for another year. I found out on the last day. So those whole life experiences have made me realize that on the day of my dissertation <laughs> I'm going to publish a book <laughs> called On the Last Day Colin I, I have, I'm still figuring out what I'm going to put after that but it's a bit the, of a long ending to the yeah, title but I know yeah. it's all, all the all, all the hurdles that I've had to overcome as 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 an international student um, whose who's, who's fate really is, uh, sorry, as a poor international student, because there are some rich international students, who, whose fate has literally been, in most part, being determined by people who have authority or who have higher power, or who, you know, if, if the ways have turned a lot in my favor. And I'm so grateful. And the same thing, I know I'm so lucky you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, and every day I come with blessings, and I'm just like, 
I just hope that one day, not only I can repay the debt, but also, and, and that's why I do a lot of humanitarian work and a lot of other stuff, but like, it's a whole, you know, it's been very um, spontaneous, my life. It's been very, I've never had anything um, set in stone, oh, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. It's just been, you know, on a nice edge. <laughs> so that's, you know, that's my story. It's been very stressful. I'm not going to lie and say I was right. very calm and collective the entire time. Yeah. It's well, been very stressful. As a student, like, yeah. having these burdens that other students might, some people do have, I admit, but some yeah. people don't. Yeah. And having to do that and school and other life stuff, it's not easy. So I hope I can share my thoughts on him, share my thoughts. I don't think I'll become an Ernest Hemingway, but I can at least give people who, I get not only minority students, but any broke student who... Mm-hmm wants to do stuff not because they're good at it but because they're really passionate about it you know yeah there's a lot of students here i've met i ask hey what do you do a phd they just say they're good you know and to me that's not fulfilling like it's good to be good at something but what wakes you up in the morning and you know Mm -hmm. keep you going in the morning yeah you know yeah so I guess that's a long answer for your question. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real good oh, one. Really? Um, well, first off, I mean, I'm sure Jordan already knew this. I didn't. I the last I had heard was was you were you know you and 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 the, I, I think in many people in, in research this is all, uh, re- funding is always a concern. But congratulations. Thank you. Thank <laughs> I'm you. glad that 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 burden is is taken off at least for now. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, not to and. Uh, add you know onto 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 your story mm-hmm. you you i was surprised you didn't mention the pressure of quals at all yeah because as an international i mean quals <laughs> quals quals um yeah honestly the reason i didn't mention it is because i had a very our quals group mm-hmm. was something out of this world <laughs> we were a family we were well, well knit. We all had personalities. We were all, and we all learned a lot about each individual <laughs> culture, right? It was not just studying or it was very, you know, we learned so much. And I think that if it wasn't for them, I would not have made it through Quals. Yeah, so so for the, the uninitiated, Quals is the PhD qualification exam at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... A, a set of oral exams and, and research presentations that you go through when you're ready to transition from the master's to the PhD program. In a lot of places, this is something of a formality. Um, it is very much not here. Um, <laughs> typically, somewhere around one-third to one-half of applicants will fail quals in mm-hmm. any given quarter or a year. Um, we had a group of nine went through in this fall, uh, Matthew, myself, and some other people hopefully will be able to, to talk to and get their, their version of the story in, in the future. And for the first time in, in quite a long time, all of us passed. There was a quite 100%. a long, long yeah. <laughs> thing like 1970. Quite a long time. I don't, I don't think it was quite that long, but um, <laughs> no, sounds better if you say that. Yeah. yeah but uh, 
but yeah, it, it, it's intense. Um, it is now spring quarter here, and mm-hmm. there is a new group about to begin that, that examination tomorrow. So that's a, that's a little bit on, on oh, people's wow, minds. that is tomorrow, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Well, by the time people listen to this, they'll either... Probably, yeah. probably be it'll either be done or partway done. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, um, um, and but, that that only applies to to our department. It varies per Stanford department, obviously per school, different yeah. PhD programs across yeah. the country, different processes. Mm-hmm. But it's a it's a it's a major stress point, and and yeah, I, I guess I, it shouldn't like, have to be, but it yeah, is. yeah, yeah. There's the, yeah, there's a lot of debate yeah. debate on its importance, validity, way it is carried out fairness yeah but but yeah but but the the, the takeaway being that it, it is a major checkpoint i mean um, it's the hardest exam you, you'll ever take yeah yeah, yeah. period it, it, <laughs> i've heard from several professors in an old state of our department like it's one of the hardest if not the hardest yeah it's on us yeah. yeah which yeah like it, it, <laughs> I, think, yeah, I, think, I think i cried at the end of calls yeah put it that way it was <laughs> i cried i cried alone <laughs> I cried. Oh. <laughs> I didn't cry. Oh, what happened? I, I claimed it was I was cold because I was Caribbean. Remember? Uh, yeah, I was like, okay. oh, it's cold. Okay, so, <laughs> so, so, so this is this is your episode, but I'm going to tell this story. Um, so so the way the way we're notified of the results of of quals is that uh, your advisor, having gone through deliberations with the other members of the faculty in the department, um, they make a determination about who and who has not passed, and then you receive a phone call. Uh, this deliberation typically takes half an hour, an hour. In our case, it took over two hours uh, for reasons that <laughs> shall not be discussed. <laughs> oh, they'll come up at some point. Uh. <laughs> but um, yeah, after after two hours of waiting, um, I got a phone call from our advisor uh, notifying me that I had passed, and uh, he he asks, have, "Have I seen Matthew around?" Uh, because he had left Matthew a voice mail message <laughs> notifying him that he had passed calls that Matthew had, had missed because he had turned his phone on to do not disturb while he went over and stood under a tree and thought about his life. <laughs> that was absolutely accurate. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, I, I just remember I didn't receive my app this call. <laughs> 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 Yeah, you know why you don't what why you don't know it can't hurt you, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, it seemed like it was though. It seemed at that point in time that it was hurting you. A lot, a lot of pain. <laughs> a lot of pain. <laughs> but yeah, we're we're through it. We're past it, and uh, looking looking forward to the next thing. Uh, except me, I am just I just graduated recently, with a master, so I, I decided not to go down yeah. that path. Different Alex, different path. Alex, different Alex made the smart decision. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <You have> the life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was, that was yeah. a great I mean, story and I'm so, I'm really happy you shared it yeah. we, with I us. Can we take a break here, here before we move Yeah, on yeah, we the, can take uh, a quick break. Yeah. I think that would be a good idea. Um, just, uh, just a quick breather yeah. and then we can dive back into the rest of the stuff. Re- hopefully reduce the chances that the recording will be corrupted. <laughs> yeah. Hey everyone, this is Alex Hobbs here with your Halfway Point, your editor. Just got a few quick things for you guys before moving on to the second half of the podcast. First of all, thank you to Andy G. Cohen for his music available in the Free Music Archives. Uh, The intro and outro you hear in this podcast uh, are the song Just a Blip off the album Through the Lens. And the intro and outro to this middle part that you're hearing 
you just heard and you will hear after this uh, middle part is done is called Scramby Eggs, and it's off the album Layers. I'm going to try and have links to those in the description, but I don't know how long podcast descriptions are because this is the first time we've done this. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for listening. Um, You know, I think this first episode went really well, and we're really excited to keep doing it. I know there's some audio things that that need to be improved, and and we're certainly going to work on improving those. But for now, I I think as as far as first episodes go, the the quality was all right. And and if if you're an audio, um, you know, lover and expert out there, very much apologize for any of the weird things that I did throughout it to try and keep the volume at a reasonable level. Um, next, if you could, you know, if you like the show today, if you could tell a friend or, or leave a review on iTunes or any similar such thing, we would certainly appreciate that. And, um, thank you. Thank you to Matthew, um, for, for appearing on the show. As I said, I think it went really well and the story is just great. Uh, it's just, it's the best. Um, and, and, uh, I think the next episode we're going to have is going to be in roughly two weeks. Uh, since, since this is the first episode and we're just trying to get out the door, I don't know what the exact like day of the week schedule is going to be, but we're going to try and keep to the two-week schedule. So keep an eye out for that, and uh, if, you, if you are you know, subscribed to our iTunes or anything like that, you'll definitely see it. So thank you again for listening, and uh, we're going to get back to the show. Bye. Now that we, we've heard and got to know Matthew a little bit, we're going to go to a bit more of an, an open discussion, and today's topic is going to be the, the recent emergence of a lot of aircraft startups. Um, this is a pretty new uh, phenomenon in both aerospace and the startup world in general. Uh, aerospace has really, since the Cold War ended, been dominated by a few large firms that bought up uh, a lot of the smaller ones in the wake of defense spending contractions and whatnot, and... Startups have been very much focused on on software and maybe a little bit of benchtop electrical hardware. Um, SpaceX has kind of blazed a path and, and made it clear that that big, intensive, capital-intensive um, hardware things can be done in, in a kind of startup environment. And following that, possibly because of that, we're seeing now a real explosion both in terms of uh, space vehicle startups, but uh, I think a little bit closer to home for, for us is kind of in-atmospheric aircraft, EV toll, supersonic transport, uh, advanced controls and robotics. And so I think if if we'll start with Matt again and uh, talk a little bit about what background you have in that through through research and different experiences. Yeah. Um, so when I um, came to Stanford, I wanted to do aircraft designing. That is such a broad term <laughs> that stretches the horizon. And as I pursued um, preparation for PhD, um, that focus narrowed down, um, and the focus was tailored by um, it was tailored by how the aerospace climate is going. Um, right now, there's a lot of talk about um, future concepts and future aircraft concepts, um, hybrid propulsion, um, vertical takeoff and landing, um, but. And in in this process of designing of these aircrafts, and I commend a lot of people with very um, bold ideas. But in this process, a lot of people tend to 
forget the most important part of engineering, and that is the human being. And that is where I want to focus my PhD on. How do you think of aircraft designing in the human context? You know, things that we take for granted, such as car level noise, like there are mm-hmm. regulations on how noisy cars can be in terms of the closeness to residential areas, as in terms of the highways and stuff. If you have planes flying over your head, you know, what are the regulations and can you design the aircraft or can the aircraft design process be tailored by certain regulations? Mm-hmm. Um, as I now start my PhD, I consider myself in the soul, soul searching phase, as I keep telling Jordan, where <laughs> I spend most of my days just reading a whole bunch of papers from sociotechnology to anthropology to networks to um, systems engineering um, and also traditional aircraft design. Sure. You know, um, I think this is a major field or a very emerging field, but I think that the reason a lot of startups aren't going to be successful is because they aren't, they're not, they have a lot of focus haven't been placed on the human side. If you look at mm-hmm. all the other areas, such as like, um, um, let's take social media for example. Sure. Why was Facebook good but not MySpace, High Five, and <laughs> MSN Messenger, and mm-hmm. you know all the other things out there? You know. Yeah. Why was the iPhone? Why is everyone drawn attracted to to the iPhone? Right. There are other niches out there where the aerospace field can take examples and lessons from. And currently, to be honest, I have not seen that. So yeah, I, think, I think that's a really, really fair point. Yeah. Um, I part partly, I think part of it is just how close aerospace has been tied to defense. Mm-hmm. In, in, it's true. Uh, it's true. Historically, yeah. and so in in a lot of planes, especially planes that are pushing the cutting edge, the human is just another component, and, and often <laughs> yeah. is, is the weakest component of the system. <laughs> it so, doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. I mean, you, you're building the rest of the thing out of titanium or aluminum, and, and these squishy know, yeah. humans inside. <laughs> yeah, you almost resent the fact that you've got to keep <laughs> alive 100 pounds of, of wet meat in a skin <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and that's, that takes a level of, of maturity. I think it takes a level of... <laughs> yes. um, having you know rared off and and shown off your your new technology mm-hmm. and then and like uh oh damn we, we we forgot that um humans arms can't reach far enough to reach the dashboard um <laughs> but but that's the best place to put it structurally like what do you mean yeah, just give yeah. them extender sticks <laughs> <laughs> just get longer arms i don't <laughs> yeah your problem not me um i i i've sort of mixed feelings about it because i feel and and with a lot of it being mixed with the defense industry, I think that a lot of what happens is is like I, this probably happened a while ago, but didn't Boeing buy out Orbital? They're in the process of acquiring Orbital. ATA and I heard that at at at, at, a, at a Boeing information session recently, and my mind like exploded because I was just like, there aren't that many left. Yeah, I mean, so so here's here's a, a fun thing. If you go back and look at the Saturn V and the lunar lander and um, all the different companies, because because that was done directly under NASA supervision for the Saturn V and and whatnot. 
Um, every single company that contributed to that project is now part of Boeing. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. And and I think one of the things that I, I expect or, or maybe see moving forward is that even if they are successful to, to some degree, which I think a lot won't be because you you can't make a 737 with 10 people, but, you know, even if they are successful, they're just, I feel like they're just going to be bought out and, and repurposed, you know? That's a very good point. There is a very large moment momentum of a monopoly mm-hmm. <laughs> per yeah. se. Oh, yeah. And um I guess kudos to SpaceX for being um a sole I guess um you know defiant per entity. But that's only mm-hmm. because they have the financial and other capital yeah, support. Exactly. You know, the uh, small <laughs> E V tall um our new helicopter propulsion or rocket person isn't gonna have that no and i yeah. think competition is good the same with blue origin you know? yeah they got you gonna get jeff yeah. bezos back me it's like i mean there is there's yeah. is, it, is it proton or electron um there's there's some oh. company that's doing, doing much smaller but but sort of we, the small one I, side rocket yeah are you talking about the one i chatted with recently or oh, I, I don't know i think there, there's a company out in like new zealand um, oh, is that where everyone's yeah. going for aerospace now? It's First doing Kitty like, Hawk like now. small, like small, um, electrically dip driven um, rockets. Not not the the um, not the actual propulsion system itself, but like small valves and and where you previously probably would have had like a turbo pump or something. There, they're yeah. using like electric motors, oh. I think, to to power their rockets. Do, do you guys think that this resurgence of of smaller smaller groups will last as the technology? You know battery technology and 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 aerospace technology and modeling technology advances or do you guys think that it will it will putter out just and people are all excited because you know oh we got blue origin we got spacex look we can do it too i mean i think i think what's driving it is that there is a lot more than a small team can do now because of modeling techniques Mm -hmm. and and design so a small team can build a, a flying functioning aircraft that meets modern safety standards I think the the real challenge, and, and you know, we've we've been talking about you know what's the exit strategy for a lot of these guys? Yeah. Are they really going to just be these these independent airplane manufacturers mm-hmm. that are going to try and compete against the big boys of the world? Are they going to going to try and sell themselves to Boeing or Lockheed or Northrop sure. or, or somebody? I think that the difficulty is that there's really two stages to the life cycle of any aircraft. There's the engineering, design, prototype, and get to that first flight phase, and then there's the you know, build it, make it reliable, make make every plane your your best plane so that any passenger getting on it knows that they're going to be safely carried to their, their destination. Yeah. And I think the big guys are really good at that. And yeah. I think the startups mm-hmm. are, are really good at the first part. Yeah. Um, I don't think that there's really too many organizations that are really good at both of them. Right. Um, and so I, I think that's kind of the scary mm-hmm. part is, you know, do you sell to a big company and, and maybe lose some of that startup spirit that sure. invigorated your, your early people? Sure. Or do you kind of try and go at your own and, and maybe risk, you know, even staying independent, having to adopt some of that, that more rigid corporate culture yeah. and, and processes that, that makes you more like the big guys? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I think what you say about the, uh, the comparison to is actually super accurate because, I mean... I understand the, the the fear of flight, but man, Boeing makes safe planes. <laughs> like they just do. They just they're efficient and they are safe and they are well made and they have and and they have very good procedures to detect any problems with them. 
um, uh, like they just are, and and you can't get that level of of incredibly in depth refinement with ten to twenty people, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Um, yeah, I think uh, I I didn't get the details on this, but I saw some startup was looking to do just design a rocket just have just train a neural network um just just build a neural network and throw rocket simulators at it until it spit out a rocket do they have all the computers every computer every (laughs) single computer on the planet oh yeah i don't think they had quite all the computers (laughs) not all of them i don't think they can do it unless they have all of them yeah i mean maybe those guys are are, you know chugging along and they're going to be the future of of you know, maybe space vehicle design. Maybe, but, not, not yeah. yet. Maybe if they waited like thirty years. But yeah, as, as much as you know, ten to twenty, thirty people can get to that first flight. Now they yeah. they can't get to the FAA signing off and saying, okay, we're going to stop paying attention now, and you can sell these to whoever you want. <laughs> yeah, that that in and of itself is hard. Um, yeah, um, it's also weird because I can't imagine startup culture is much more common here and and almost. Mm-hmm. I don't want to use the word obnoxious, but no, don't go ahead and use that word. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just, once you have a few hundred employees, you're not a startup anymore, but there's still companies <laughs> around here that consider themselves startups startup, at, yeah. at, at hundreds or even thousands of employees. And no, you just want your employees to work more hours, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I, I'm going to get off my rant. No, um, no, no. That's, yeah. That's that's a good By definition, you're not a startup at that point. Um, and, and I think if larger companies like that, if, if it's also strange seeing companies that aren't born and bred in aerospace breaking into it. You see Uber mm. making the, 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 they, they uh, the yeah, announcement that, recently, too. Surprised. I mean, yeah, so, so today is, uh, I don't know if it's still ongoing, but the second annual Uber Elevate Summit. Um, and that's that's got um, a lot of people running around like chickens with their heads cut off. The fact that you've got wait, this. wait, people at Uber or people well, well, around okay. the industry, more, more, more people in, in aerospace. Yeah. The fact okay, that you've gotcha. got this Silicon Valley startup culture, and and Uber is certainly not fueling that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what well, do you mean? That, that is, well, they're they're fueling it. Yeah, they're, oh, they're, they're fueling, fueling it. it. That okay, is, they're, okay. they're not they're not exactly the poster boys for restraint and and well considered decision making. Um, <laughs> Are you implying that that? That giving better rides to people who also have Lyft on their phone in order to almost basically motivate people to also work for Lyft isn't a good idea. Yeah, I mean the 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 kind of the the Cowboy Rodeo show in in aerospace kind of ended back in the seventies. Yeah, um, and it, it is a very conservative, uh, patient uh, industry now. Yeah. Uber is very much not that, and and at the same time, people are very much aware that they're they've got a pretty strong proposition to, to really be the leaders in urban air mobility in the next 10 years. Do they have, I haven't seen too much about them. Have you guys seen the, anything about the models? Have you seen them? We've seen a few models on okay. social media, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's hard to tell this early. I mean, you know, I, it, it may, like Kitty Hawk recently had a similar announcement and you know, it didn't like, I didn't have to look at many of the specs to think like, Oh cool. So you can go on, one ride and then it has to recharge and how far can you on the ride oh okay i can get you know what was it they said 100 yeah. miles that doesn't seem well that's i think that's the the 
the the appeal of Uber is a lot of people is if you don't have to sell these things one at a time, mm-hmm. if if Uber or somebody is, is willing to be sort of a de facto urban air airline mm-hmm. and they're willing to buy a hundred of them and, and build vertiports and build all that, then yeah, the one you just wrote has to go charge, but there's another one true. waiting true, right true, there. True. So that's why there's there's a lot of people who are but it has to fly back. So you already have half distance. Well, no, I mean, if they're at Vertiports. Oh, yeah. oh, I guess if it's at Vertiports, yeah, that's different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point, good point. Yeah. Um, yeah and and that's... so that's the the fact that um, Uber has kind of taken the initiative here. Mm-hmm. And I think that the big guys are, are aware that they they can't just sit and wait. Right. And, and you know, kind of wait in and throw money at the yeah. problem. Yeah. you know, five, ten years from now and, and hope to catch up. That's why I think, I think that Uber, I think it was a good thing what they, I think it's a good thing what they're doing. They're, they're, they're speeding up what has historically in the industry has been a five, 10 to 20 year process of certification. And yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it, in, 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 in essence, it has one, increased more interest in the aerospace. So, by default, there is going to be much more funding for, I mean, as a personal level, this wouldn't be much more funding for students and other initiatives, other um, learning initiatives mm-hmm. in aerospace because a lot of aerospace companies are going to say, okay, well, to to foster that sort of mentality, we need to do a grassroots approach and maybe sure. we think how we do initiatives for middle schoolers and high schoolers and see yeah, how NASA absolutely. has done that those are initiatives and you know they're starting they don't know now you have other big players like Boeing and other mm-hmm. people maybe or um, Embraer or Airbus say hey let's um, help support these kids who have dreams of becoming astronauts or yeah. aircraft designers so it's a good thing in terms of pushing big players to enter the game of helping the grassroots of aerospace foster. Sure, so it's sure. a good thing for us coming up. I think so too, yeah. yeah. We should clarify that, that um, or it was really disclosed that at the moment, Matt and I are both taking a class which is in part supported by Uber um, in that we are attempting to design uh, a vehicle, a, a small scale vehicle sort of of the class and Uber has, has provided some um, hardware for, for us to use. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that has heavily influenced our opinion of them, but um, we should clarify that we are not, you know, entirely without ties to, to some of the goings on. I am. I can area. dunk on Uber if I want. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think I think it's it's really good for. It's really. I'm not sure if it's good for business, but I know it's good for. I know for sure it's going to be good for the education industry in terms of people. You remember years ago, people used to be fond of aerospace, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. I was reading articles and I, I guess in some of the research I've been doing, the amount of personal general aircraft, aircraft have drastically dropped because no one, the, the passion of flying isn't as, isn't what it, you know, it's, it's also it's, expensive. It's also expensive. I wonder how much of that has been yeah. also a lack of ability to, to, to to pay for something like that. You know? Very yeah, true. I mean, I think part of it is also just the planes themselves have, Partly like gotten better in, yeah, in that's true. like that, yeah. that's one thing to say, but it but it is partly like just you know demands for for safety and reliability mm-hmm. and yeah. things mm-hmm. have kind of pushed them them up market. Like the, yeah. the Cessna, uh-huh. you know, one seven two that you bought in nineteen sixty five is not the same it's Cessna one seven two. Yeah, that you're going to buy today. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So yeah, I mean, there 
fewer is there's not there's not a lot of interest from the um from people outside of your everyday areas sure yeah and and i think uber and all these companies who aren't traditionally aerospace but are good at marketing and other their own niches is going to help push aerospace which is predominantly being a very old traditional <laughs> guy working uh-huh. at a desk with a ruler and tape measure and a, you know um hey my my my, my middle-aged my old middle-aged dad takes offense to that slight rule uh. type of multiplication you know yeah <laughs> but yeah i i think it's good it, it's it's a good wave um by the same time we must be cognizant of the we might be co- we must be cognizant of other things while we're doing aircraft sure other yeah. things you know not just the human side, which I'm really focused on, but the other aspects. The, the, there are so many other marketing, social, technical, um, cultural, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that's and, what and in prob- fairness, mm-hmm. SpaceX, like, regardless of your opinion of them, they have the social media side of things down. Yeah. They really, yeah, really en- do. Engagement is, is a yeah. yeah. part of it. Yeah. I, yeah. I commend SpaceX for that. Yeah. Um, I remember... I think, I think Facebook had a have issues culturally speaking of flying. I think they're having issues with flying drones, like you know, like how people the new talk now is like using drones for communications. But you know, not every country wants to have a bunch of drones sure. flying over them. You know? Yeah, no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, not not every country is going to be super. I mean, you know, we we went through some of this talking about the early space race and the, yeah. the dissemination of uh, Earth observing satellites, but now it's. You know, how, how comfortable are a lot of countries going to be, or, or a lot of people, even in the United States, going to be yeah. having lots of, you know, privately or government-owned, just low-flying aircraft. Swimming over their heads. Yeah. 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 Hopefully quietly. But, yeah, no, it's... it's, it's <laughs> and, I mean, that that's also one of the things with, with personal delivery, with, mm-hmm. with Amazon wanting to Amazon, do its drone program, which... What's it called? Amazon... I don't know. What, did Amazon they have Air? Amazon Air? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. It's catchy name. Fairly good name. Catchy name. Yeah. Prime Air, maybe. Prime Air. Yeah. I think it's Prime Air. So I, something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's something where like, um, <laughs> I think Parks and Rec actually did a very good thing of it, where where uh, one of the characters had something delivered to their house, and they're like the most staunch conservative, and and they were just furious and like destroyed the <laughs> robot, and it's like you you can't deal with that. I mean, if you have a camera, you know, yeah. maybe a little yeah. bit with GPS, like you know who did it, but it's like. You can't prevent it from being destroyed. Yeah. And I mean, and that, I think that's in some ways kind of because, you know, the Silicon Valley thing is whatever, just do it, find the people who are okay with it, and they'll make, exactly. it, look, yeah, they'll, <laughs> they'll make it look super cool, and then everyone will, will want to adopt it. Yeah, that, whereas, is, yeah. that is definitely yeah. a Silicon Valley. Whereas, whereas the old aerospace is like, let's get the FAA in a room, mm-hmm. and let's get, you know, the big, you know, let's ask the experts. Yeah, and, let, and, let, let's do this, let's have a four year deliberation process mm-hmm. and then set up the rules. But the problem is, though, is that you have people trying to create rules who don't who literally have not this is new for them too yeah, uh-huh. yeah absolutely exactly. you have a whole bunch of people in the fa or whatever talking about drones drones wasn't a major i mean it was a hot topic but it wasn't not to this level or scale and not 10 in years the ago. country not yeah. in the, you know yeah. like oh yeah, yeah i mean part of part of i mean especially the the major big shift is like we said you know going from defense and government type things it used to be that Authority was also where a lot of the technical stuff came from. It came out of defense. It came out of DARPA. Uh And so by the time private industry got a hold of it, 
the government and regulators and then, you know, think tanks and all that had, had been thinking about it for years and then it was kind of handed out. Now, instead, you're seeing government and regulators having to, to keep their eyes wide open to mm-hmm. look for new developments coming at them over the horizon. Yeah. Which yeah, is, you know. which is completely different. Yeah. Like it's, it's and, the... yeah. And it, it requires a very different pot. I mean, I think we were talking about this, this earlier that, um, there was a, a time where the FAA just said, we're not going to support any, you know, private commercial drone development in the United States. Nobody can fly. This is too dangerous. Mm-hmm. We haven't figured it out. Sure. And in that time, Chinese drones got really good. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're DJI. Yeah. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're flying a DJI yeah. spark now and it's, you know, it's, it's got its foibles, but it's, it's a really yeah. impressive piece of technology and it didn't come out of America. Um, right. And, and I, I, I don't know where you know what what America has to, to answer that, and, sure. and I mean I think we, we can we can get there, but yeah. the fact that we thought that we could just sit and think about it for four years and then deal with the fallout it is not a posture that's going to be tenable going forward. Yeah, yeah, I think I think there's a certain level of in the aerospace industry, you know, oh, you know, we can wait, but. Mm. Not anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. No. Not no. anymore. I mean, I think it's Uber's target for test flights for their their EV tolls and their their elevator network is twenty twenty three. Um, wow. Yeah. So so and and it's it's nuts that vehicles are already test flying. I mean, you know, yeah. These, a lot of it, it. The timeline here has been kind of weird because this has um, been kind of a for for people who knew. This, mm-hmm. this development of stuff has been going on since about 2009, 2010. Sure, sure. Um, and I'd say even about two years ago when, when I personally got interested in this, there were sort of maybe three companies that, that you know, had, had showed something, showed some kind of prototype. Mm-hmm. Um, and now just every just day. two years. Yeah. Every, I, can't, <laughs> yeah I can't go hey, a week concept. without yeah, a, new, a new concept popping up. I think I saw Aviation Week said they're tracking over 60 of them now. And Germany has, has, has Lillium, a couple yeah, going on Lillium. that are very yeah. good looking. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 a weird problem <laughs> to have to address so yeah. quickly. No, the FAA, we don't know yeah. what the risks are. Yeah. Like the FAA is so used to like being like, oh, well, you know, we know we know what the risks are. We know they, what's Yeah, they're caught flying. off guard. Uh, yeah. They're, they're really... And they're doing their best, but it's it's a hard problem. Yeah, or, or I mean, if you're certifying a general aviation aircraft, you know, the person flying that is, is taking on a lot of responsibility. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And, and they're used to the, okay, you're either dealing with a big company building a big jet that's yep. going to go through an extensive certification process, or you're going through a small company that's going to sell things to people who are trained to fly them and maintain them and, and know what's going on. Yep. Now you want companies that want to build small planes for people who know nothing about the planes, know nothing mm-hmm. about you know what what they're doing and want to get in them and, and fly them and, and just more be, importantly yeah. not just getting them and fly them they won't be flying them yeah yeah and, get and, in a in a thing that is being yeah, flown by you gotta, a predetermined you got to think of the, the whole other aspect of you know should the flight technology in these different drones be common through all the drones you know when mm-hmm. you step in a plane and you fly a plane you can and step that's... in another plane <laughs> and fly that plane. Yes, yes. You, you know, you have, it's not like if you're going from a, you know, PS4 controller to Xbox controller <laughs> to another, the Game Boy. Like, yeah. Guarantee you, most of the planes have the same sort of infrastructure that you can, as, as a pilot, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about oh, where is the on switch or off switch yeah. for anything. Yeah. Now, 
how do you train pilots? Who are mm-hmm. your pilots? Yeah. These questions are questions that... Where do you fly? Where do you fly? These All these questions are questions that the FAA doesn't have answers to, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's really germane to the fact, you know, the, the kind of research we love to do here is that the FAA obviously wants, wants everything to be very predictable, very deterministic, mm-hmm. very... You know, you hit the throttle and it, and it, you know, it goes this amount. You pull the stick, it, it rolls this amount, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to deal with a lot of the complexity and, and the, the interesting things we want aircraft to do now, a lot of people are looking at using neural networks for controllers. Um, and interpretability, predictability, mm. determinism kind of goes out the window. You can do some amazing things that will be, it will perform far better than, than you know, a deterministic controller that you can you know, flight controller that you can sit down and write out the equations for. Mm-hmm. But you try and prove that mathematically to to somebody at the FAA that this thing isn't going to, to <laughs> you know, get up to a thousand feet and get hit by a sunbeam and, and think that it, you know, what it really needs to do right there is, is a couple barrel rolls. <laughs> um, it, it's it's tough, but yeah. but that's kind of the road of forward for progress. Yeah. And and you know, e- even if, if we in the United States decide that we don't like this, um, our, our ability to dictate the, the technological framework for the entire world is fading. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah, it's a really valid point because it's, it's, it is neural networks. And, and for those listening who may maybe aren't as familiar in, in neural networks or machine learning, that they're, they're essentially extremely... Um, complicated complicated yes you don't and even even it's not like solving a a a problem where you know you always know the steps of how you got where you got yeah you know it's it's things happen in the middle that you don't fully understand and then it it learns and and what it learns you you don't know you just know it works or it doesn't Mm -hmm. and dealing with something like that you either need to test it so much that you're willing to accept the incredibly small percent that it wouldn't work or go with an alternative essentially yeah. i mean there, there's people in cs who if they are listening to this will want to eviscerate us oh yeah these, absolutely these yeah no these are very yeah. not <laughs> it's great a, yeah. it's a thing that solves a problem and it starts off really bad at that problem and then it tries to solve that problem billions of times until it gets good at solving that problem but you know, you don't know if that billion and one time mm-hmm. it's, it's going to, yeah. you know, tell you two plus two equals six. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because something was different. Yeah. Um, so um, I think I think that's a good heading out point. Do you guys have any final um, um, thoughts on, on either the subject, startups, or, or, or the direction the aerospace industry is headed before we, before we sort of wrap up today? Yeah, I, I think I, I love the way or the direction in which aerospace is going because it's becoming more inclusive and it's not going to be I guess um, I guess like a boys club anymore I'm seeing more women in aerospace I'm seeing more minorities in aerospace I'm seeing people in aerospace who aren't even aerospace engineers Mm -hmm. and um it's personal for me because then, then it brings in, you know, international countries that you would never thought about doing mm-hmm. aerospace. You know, um, case in point, there's no a car 
manufacture anything in Ghana? No, that manufactures cars. Um, yeah, there is. Um, <laughs> um, so, like, the aerospace industry pushed by, I guess, more social media platforms or more um, companies that have a very social presence, like Uber, is great because it opens the field for markets. It, sorry, it opens the field in terms of um, diversity of the market, um, diversity of competition, and also, uh, and the research has shown that's where innovation sparks. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, we must be cognizant of the startup culture and not to forget the certain things that we hold there traditionally that are important for engineering when you have lives at stake. Mm-hmm. I guess there's that bridge in Florida that collapsed recently where there's a pure example of engineering when you don't do engineering correctly. Sure. You know, yeah. Simple processors and things that should have been done you know, were, were skipped in the engineering process mm-hmm. and therefore result in loss casualties and stuff like that. So there must be a balance. The, you know, there's nothing in this world that isn't done successfully but a balance. So that's one thing I guess the aerospace industry has to pay attention to. You know, how do you trade off time, but also um, have still have the structure of um, making sure that you check all your boxes. So I think that's that's what I have to say in a nutshell. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with, with pretty much everything you just said. Um, there was a point earlier on we talked about um, the, the changing perception of aerospace mm-hmm. and you know, has, has the, the glamour and the affection and the love people had for the field gone out of it. And there was definitely a time um, when I, I think, first got to grad school, I was, I was kind of worried about that in a sense <laughs> of, of, like, you know, my, my heroes growing up or, you know, when I got interested in aerospace were, you know, Kelly Johnson and, and Skunk Works and, and mm-hmm. some of the guys doing doing some crazy things back back in the 50s and, and 60s. And for I had this kind of, this moment of thought of, of, you know, me jumping onto aerospace right now is not the same thing as somebody jumping on the aerospace in the sixties, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that at that time they were doing these these cutting edge crazy things and, and I had this worry that, you know, are are we now in in a sense getting getting into a field that's mature, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't have a lot of dynamism left? Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you got into to steam trains in, in oh. eighteen sixty like you're going to do some crazy engineering. Yeah. You're going to get into to train design in, in 1910. Um, you're probably <laughs> just, you know, making sure that the tolerances are met, right? that, you know, the, the finish is nice. Mm-hmm. And, and I had to worry that, you know, is, is aerospace going that way? Are yeah. our aircraft becoming boring parts of everyday life? <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, kind of while I molded over and prepared for quals, um, <laughs> a lot has exploded. I mean, literally in yeah. the last six months, in the last year, mm-hmm. um, that's made it made it clear that completely changed uh, my research focus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even even if it even if um, it isn't in some ways sort of the the pinnacle of engineering and in, in the way that it was during the space race and in the way that you know a lot of technology just trickled down from. Um, uh, achievements in aerospace there's a lot very exciting going on mm-hmm. and and you know despite all the challenges we, we've talked about here i think i think that combination of of the new dynamism and the maturity of of tradition um makes uh, the 
the possibilities here really, really endless in, in, um, in, a, in a rather prosaic way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think I think I pretty much agree um, with, with, with what you guys are saying. And I think Matthew makes a great point. It's, I think the future's bright, and I think that it, it, there's hurdles. But I, I think it's going to get better and better. It's just a matter of making sure we do things the right way mm-hmm. rather than just doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, which around here you often get a little worried is, 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 you know, with, with things like Facebook, you know, they just did things and yeah, move, move fast and break things yeah. has a slightly different connotation <laughs> when the things are people. <laughs> yeah. Sorry afterwards <laughs> in front of Congress. Yeah. You can't, yeah. you can't really ask for forgiveness instead of permission when yeah. you've put a hole in the ground. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think being careful with that and, and I'm glad things are sort of coming back to being you know, publicly positive, mm. not, not always, but, but in many respects, um, moving in that direction and, and, and sort of an exciting vibe in the industry. And, and I think that's, I think that's good and really cool. Um, so I think, I think that's all we have I for, think, I for, think that's a, a wrap. Yeah, I think that's a wrap. Um, just before we go, uh, we hope you enjoyed, uh, today's program it is the first of, uh, hopefully many. Um, we, I think we're leaning towards a, a bi-weekly every other week, uh, uh, schedule right now. Um, it's going to be uh, a little touch and go at the start just to make sure that we can get every everything, and I'm sure it points in the future too, but just to make sure we can get everything going and, and have people on because you have to work with people to get a schedule to have them on and we want it to be a guest-driven show as well as a discussion-driven show, sort of as we had in halves today. Um, if you are interested in learning more about us, you can check out our Twitter at The Farmcast, uh, our Facebook at The Farmcast, and we have a website, uh, thefarmcast.com. Um, we are also in the future probably going to start doing, uh, if, if, if people are interested, um, and we have more than, uh, three listeners, um, a email based, uh, uh, question and answer, um, for future guests. Um, I'm not going to reveal that the email now just because we don't know the order of future guests and we just wanted to get this recorded and on the <laughs> air, um, and get this started. But, um, we thought that would be a really interesting way to interact with, with anyone who was listening and was interested in, in, uh, someone we might be having on the show in a future episode. So, um, yeah, I guess before we, we sign off, just want to say thank you yeah. to Matthew for yeah, joining us. Yeah, thank you so much, Matthew, for joining us. Uh, thank it you was my anyone. pleasure. Yeah. Really appreciate it. We were, I I loved hearing your story, and <laughs> this is this is I'm just very happy because this is personally anyway what I was exactly wanted out of the show. I wanted to learn more about people and, yeah. and their stories and and you know move in that direction. So thank you, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. Um, so that's a wrap. That's Welcome a wrap. To the farm hat. Yeah.